You land on the shore of northwestern Africa, hungry and tired from a long voyage headed west. You go out into the bushes to find some food and a good bit from the shore. You happen upon an almost walled area with bushes and say, This seems like a good place to camp for the night and get some food. The trees around you are heavy, and you find yourself in the middle of an opening of trees. The air is stale with blood, and you see piles of bones near where a fire was. You get freaked out, and you slowly back out of the opening, and you start hearing hoots and howls around you as you feel powerless to move. You feel the blade slide right into your back, just between your shoulder, blade, and spine. You fall to your knees as the fire starts crackling, and the last thing you see before your eyes close for good is leopard spots. I didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot. Paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. Beginning of a new world. (laughs) The best guac you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This This is the the Black Hat Report. See you on the other side. grandma's house if they tried to do that to me my scoliosis would keep me alive they'd be like through your spine and then my spine would be like psych i'm all over the place bitch (laughs) can't get me to the left slide to the right my my spine will basically just grab it and break it off and spit (laughs) it out welcome to the black hat report in episode 54 today we're going to go into the human leopard society Woo! Woo, leopards! Yeah. Yep. So it's about, it's gonna be about about cute, cute, cute animals and. Sweet little kitties. Spotted kitty cats. Sweet little kitties. Spotted little kitties. Mm -hmm. Has nothing to do with Cannibal Month. No, not Mm -hmm. at all. Not Cannonball Month. (laughs) Mm -mm. I'm Joey, and with me is Gil. Hello, hello. And Selena. Hello. Bets Bay is on a much needed rest month. In our second installment of Cannibal Month, we are digging into the Human Leopard Society. We'll be using the Human Leopard Society, Ritual Murder, and Cannibalism in Colonial Africa by K.J. Beatty as our main source, and also the other sources will be listed in the show notes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, today we're going to start with a bit of African and colonizing history. And sorry if this Ooh. is going to be a bit boring for some, but to truly understand some of the goings-on of the Human Leopard Society, we're going to have to delve into the history of Sierra Leone. I was not saying boo to history. I was saying boo colonialism. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I was saying, I was I was thinking boo to history. Like, how dare Things you have happened in at the, the past. beginning of a podcast <laughs> that is talking about past events introduce us to history? How dare dare you let's go joey sierra leone i was gonna say i take it a step further and i'm just mad that things have happened in the past at all yeah. just boo to history at all okay anyway let's go boo to history <laughs> boo to history sierra leone was first inhabited by the limba tribe who moved into the area and were an indigenous african tribe of at least 2500 years ago and as far as hamburgers goes if you eat one hamburger every five minutes that would be 262,974,600 hamburgers, which I actually don't believe existed at the time. 
because hamburgers were invented sometime <sighs> in between 1885 and 1904, depending on who you believe. In the time before hamburgers. Yep. That's just Pre-A- what the government PH. wants you to believe. All the rich people were eating hamburgers way before us. Could be in Hamburg. <laughs> but I digress. Sierra Leone had dense rainforests that isolated it from a lot of the other wars and the jihads of the times. So this would become more of a safe space for people wanting to escape violence. Well, let's fast forward a good bit. We'll land in 1787. This is the year that Great Britain colonized Sierra Leone, though they had set up forts along the coast at the end of the prior century. It was mostly people who were former slaves in Britain that arrived in the lush jungle and other groups followed them from Nova Scotia in 1792 and Jamaica in the 1800s. That was pretty much right after Jamaica had a uh, slave rebellion, and they all kind of were like, let's get the hell out of Jamaica right now. So So run alongside the slave rebellions, Britain passed a law to stop the transatlantic slave trade in 1807, which is actually interesting because a lot of people think it kept going until the 1860s, but Britain actually stopped it much earlier than the United States did. It was in Sierra Leone that the British created a major fort and the newly minted Freetown to patrol the African <clears throat> coast to stop illegal slavers. And we'll get into the details of how the British government worked with the many tribes in Sierra Leone as we delve into the Human Leprous Society cases. For now, we'll leave it at that. Suffice to say, Britain had a huge hand in the view of the Human Leopard Society and how we will cover them today. But we will also leave some things open to interpretation because obviously a lot of this is written from a British perspective because we don't really have a a African perspective or Sierra Leone or tribe perspective of this right now. So, Goddamn white people. Right? White history, (laughs) as they say. (laughs) Sounds about white. Sounds about white. So, the Human Leopard Society was first mentioned by a British author named George Alexander Lethridge Bainberry in his book, Sierra Leone, or, as most people call it, The White Man's Grave. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Which I, yeah, which I guess you can tell from this point of view where this viewpoint could probably be a little skewed. Mm. Yeah, the yeah. white guy's like, hey, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't like us. See some of these <laughs> hey, white that seems dead. that's a little funny over there. I don't know about that. In it, so <laughs> he writes: secret cannibalism is also prevalent, and in the Mindy Mission, they possess the skin of a large leopard with iron claw. Pretty much look like guys dressed as leopards is what he saw. With iron claws. With iron claws. Iron Super claws. easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's Wolverine with a leopard suit. Literally. That's what I'm picturing. I, that is what it okay. is, yeah. So there the are also illustrated numerous... issue of Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> there are also numerous reports and cases of the Human Leopard Society described by the Tinme and the Mindy tribes, who were the major tribes in Sierra Leone at the time. To really understand some of the contributing factors to the rise of cannibalism in Sierra Leone, we have to get into the background of another secret society of Sierra Leone. So there's a lot of secret societies and quotations because obviously they're kind of secret, kind of not. They're just more secret to, you know, the colonizing British at the time. 
Yeah, that's like in reality TVs where they're like, ooh, let's form an alliance. And they're like, it's a secret. And everyone's like, hey, you guys talking about making alliances? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of these, you know, societies that formed around this time were pretty much to escape the slave trade. Um, mm-hmm. Going out into the woods to get out of the way. So tribes like and a lot of times in this point you know the british were coming in the dutch were coming in and this this area the dutch were actually the first people to uh to go into sierra leone so they they went there and saw it and were like okay this is crazy we're not going to go here and then the spanish came <laughs> and, and then the spanish came and they're like okay we'll name it you know sierra leone is the mountain of the lion mountain lion basically because the mountains look like lions is was like a what they said, so Sierra Leone, creative, very creative. Or yeah. there was a cool one that said that the ocean hitting the rocks made it sound like lions' roars, mm-hmm. which I thought was, was pretty cool. Um, that is cool. I do appreciate the cat-related mythology. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to keep it on brand. All this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah. The clouds looked like lions. <laughs> the water sounded like lions. The raindrops, kittens purring. Pretty much. And yeah. the lions, they look like clouds. <laughs> they do. Fascinating. Fascinating. So the Poro, or Puro, um, just depends on how you want to say it. I haven't found the right pronunciation, so I will say Poro, as I can see it pronounced online. So the Poro were a secret society <laughs> that educated the natives of Sierra Leone hinterland, which is like near the mountains, until the British government took over. So during the slave trade's heyday, many people would go to places in the jungles to escape, in quotations, the headman's reach. Basically, any tribe that tribal leader or British leader that would go in and actually try to enslave other tribes in the areas to sell them to slavers. Mm-hmm. So these people basically fleeing the slavers who are sometimes their own chieftains would form mutual support yeah. groups for each other and thus create quotations, secret societies. So as their numbers increased, the fleers would make signs of recognition and rules of general guidance to be followed by the society. You know, you'd walk by somebody that was part of the society, you'd give them like a little, you know, nod or a little salute or something or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. Throw them up a little sign that they uh, that were part of the uh, were part of the mutual society. So during this time, the Poro came into being. And honestly, I can definitely understand this because they were simply running from being slaves. Yeah. Like it, it makes so much sense. Well. With the what they do, Joey? <laughs> what they do? They just ran away to form, form uh, other colonies, and they were just like, we don't, we don't need to be with you. Oh, yeah. So with the tribes constantly nice. warring each other and trying to take the other side as slaves to make money, I would run to the woods too. Well, the Poro mm-hmm. situated themselves in enclosures in the woods that were marked by them as like sacred. So. If anybody that was not part of the society ventured into the sacred areas, they would just be snatched up and mostly were never seen again. Okay. Yeah. The few that actually made it out years later became Poro themselves. 
So, Ooh. yeah, they would just be kind of, you know, indoctrinated in a way that they were like, okay, well, I imagine honestly that it was it was not really a choice that they had of leaving <laughs> without becoming a poro. So, so we had like spots in the woods where it didn't matter who the fuck you were unless you were a member of the poro, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like if you went in there, then it was like then you would just come out like five, six, seven years later, like straight up like apocalypse now, just like taken into the struggle if that makes sense yeah pretty much just with like the eyes the 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 ten thousand yard stare pretty much oh okay better 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 vision care pretty right yes. better eye care plan they had okay, a great i got this eye plan yeah so they wouldn't just take people who ventured into their woods either they would actually go into the surrounding towns at night and steal what they could as well as taking any unarmed person they could find so not a lot is known about what happened to the people they kidnapped, but a lot of people theorize that they sold those people into slavery. Oh my gosh. So that's awful. What, it, so you, you would know the Poro because they had, they had markings. So they had two parallel tattooed lines around the middle of their body, inclining upwards and front towards the breast and meeting at the pit of their stomach, which is hmm. kind of interesting. So yeah. people would know that they were Poro by just what they're, the markings that they had. Um, they would also, which I thought was interesting, like you were saying, they had good eye care. They also had good retirement. So they would be able to retire. After they got tired of life living in the bush in the town surrounding it, the Poro would actually be able to go into the towns and tribes, and they could just stay there they could retire this was in like at what like 1810 at this point yeah this is 1800 early 1810 very 1820s yeah 18 like the very 18 early yeah (laughs) is eight holy fuck it yeah pretty crazy so first off they had tattoos right they had a great healthcare system and they had great retirement plans 1800s. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm here for We're it. We're starting off good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I cannot possibly see what could go wrong here. Right. So the Poro, weirdly enough, actually they held great sway in the towns and tribes surrounding them as they would meet together to discuss and solve disputes between rival towns or even crimes that would call for capital punishment. You know, they would be basically kind of like judges or like they would be like, hey, let's meet together. Let's talk. The chieftains from each town would say, hey, like we we need to, you know, people are stealing people from ours, stealing people theirs like or somebody threw a rock at my daughter, blah, blah, blah. Let's go talk about it. Something like that, you know, and they would get together, get everyone together, talk about it and kind of decide what should be the next plan. But it was a little bit awkward when they came into town and like one of them would just be like sprinkling salt on one person's leg and the other one would be sprinkling pepper on the other person's leg. And they'd be like, I think it's better with salt. I think it's better with pepper. And the guy's like, wait, why? What? Salt? Pepper? What? And then everybody would start to back off. And that's how the law was laid down. Pretty much. Yeah. And I would probably yeah. say more like a a nice uh, sweet baby raise would be really good. But, you know, that's okay. Hasn't been, you know, they hadn't got to that yet. Or like a harissa oil. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, well, like most society of this time, 
as leaders, it was for sadly men only. There, there actually was a thing for for women of that time too, and it was very, it was like the para, ran parallel to the poro, and it basically did the opposite. But obviously, it was the gender gender norms at the time for the man to go out and be like the warrior or the leader, mm-hmm. and the woman obviously would be taught in that day to be like the mother, the gatherer, stuff like that. So like they had another society. Can't exactly mm-hmm. remember what the name of it is. Kind of mention it very quickly. But that kind of ran parallel for the young women of the tribes, um, which was they wanted to train them both, I guess. So they would take boys from the town starting at the age of seven all the way up until 20. And they would be separated into three different classes. So the messenger or the servant class, the Mohammedan Moor, or they call them or we call them the devil's men's class. And then the chief's class. So for me, I look at this and I would say, this is a basic makeup of a caste system. The workers, the warriors, and the political leaders are basically what it is, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when they were put into their class, they could never go above that class. They literally learned what to do. They would go to a farm. They would be put into like military training, and they would be educated in whatever they were meant to do. Mm Mm-hmm. The chief's class basically ruled the entire country, mm-hmm. as we said earlier. The Poro was basically the education system, the government, and the court system of the country at the time. Not a good look. <laughs> so this would be the way the country was run until the British arrived to colonize. Boo. As they do. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. So I wanted to introduce you to the Poro because from what I learned, I think this is where the Human Leopard Society came from. Before the British arrived, it was not customary for the the Poro to cannibalize humans, at least from all the stories passed down by the tribe surrounding them. From everything I've read, the connection between the Poro and the Human Leopard Society is that not all Poro are part of the Leopard Society, but all Leopard Society are Poro. Ooh. Yeah. So you couldn't be part of the Leopard Society without being Poro. Which is a very interesting, very interesting thing. And there's a lot of connections with a lot of the things that happen later on in other countries with the indigenous tribes, with the slaves going from the in the transatlantic slave trade. Okay. And how it affects the rest of the world and the religions. So Honestly, I want to start by saying that we don't have a whole lot of information about the Human Leopard Society before the British arrived. And what we but what we do know is described in detail through the trial transcripts of the British court. And we know one thing about trial transcripts is they are exhaustingly detailed and honestly severely boring. Incredibly <laughs> accurate. And incredibly accurate. (laughs) But before we get into some of those details and descriptions of those, I want to go into how the Poro and the towns before dealt with crimes. So, and sorry guys if I'm losing you in this, but these are incredibly important things to go on later to describe why we understand what we do about the Human Leopard Society. So, the Tongo players were the ones that were called upon when... Right? 
They're called upon when the suspicious circumstances such as frequent sudden deaths or basically a lot of disappearances happening. They're basically the FBI. Yeah. Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> I'm one of the tango players. What's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> There's just a constant snap going on in the background. And they're moving their head from side yeah. to side, just back and forth to the beat. Tango, Tango players. All right, okay. Well, they're the FBI at the time, okay. as well as the jury. Damn. And the executioners. Oh. Okay. Again. Very efficient system. Very efficient. And so you can fair. move quickly. And fair. You yes. always want those three combined. Mm-hmm. Always. Always. So I imagine it as a big monster with three hands. One with a pen, one with a gavel, and the other with a gun. And they're all part of the same body. Yeah, when I'm fighting or pleading my case, I just want to get shot in the head. Pretty much. That's what they're about to do. In in a uh, moral way, I guess, for them. So once I'm brown, they would have has... found a reason. <laughs> once that, well, these are actually the the Tongo players are actually part of African culture. They are the uh they were the leaders before the British came. So well, maybe I'm not Brits would call themselves the Tongo players. (laughs) Do you really think the British would call themselves the Tongo players? No, that is way too cool of a name for British people. They're gonna be like this weirdo, some tan white person. The High Queen's Archduke, left hand of right hand of Christ, lawyers. (laughs) That's a snappy one. (laughs) No. Yeah, they were very cut and dry on everything that they did. Pretty much. It was uh, British people, you know. We love you, but pretty dry. (laughs) We're going to pretend my last name's Matt Bentley, (laughs) and we're going to continue Nowadays, Nowadays, all the ones listening, so thank you. Yes, thank you, guys. So, I don't like any of them. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Truth. Once a chief (laughs) has requested help, they would send out emissaries into the towns to investigate the claims. They would hire spies in the said village who would get details and then draw up a list of names on who they thought the perpetrator was. So once the names were submitted to the medicine men, who were also part of the Tongo players, they would take each suspected person out to the bush. So basically where the uh, where the poga the that they would meet out in the bushes. So there the medicine man would have the suspect put his hand into a cauldron of boiling boiling oil to pick out a piece of hot iron. If the person was burned, it was certain proof of guilt. And if they were not, they were innocent. Well. Okay. Yep. The guy that's made (laughs) out of rubber is totally, (laughs) like, probably the luckiest guy there. Yeah. Still somehow more humane than, like, tying women to boards and throwing them off the edge of a cliff and being like, well, if they float, they're totally in there's like, they're, the they're not, There's not even water. What do you mean if they float? Like if <laughs> yeah. they fly into the sky? <laughs> Sir, this is a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> it's just like... I mean, it'll get worse. So I honestly wonder if anyone was ever proven to be innocent because they pretty much just all burn their arms. But... Ouch. Ouch, right? 
Or if they were, they just have their all their skin melted off pretty much for putting it in boiling oil and then grabbing a metal piece, a hot metal piece of iron that literally is covered hot in boiling oil, eh, covered <clears throat> in hot oil. If eh. they came out with no skin, they're still going to be like, you got burned, even if you don't say yeah, owie. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, this, I already had this burn. <laughs> um, oh, but this, like, I was born without how, skin. Wait, hold on. So. God, man, I just, I miss the day, I was never alive for it, but I miss the day when, like, cauldrons were, like, just readily available. I don't remember the last time I've seen, like, a cauldron. You know what I mean? When's the last time you saw, like, an actual, like, Christmas bulb shape, like, large, like, cast iron cauldron that just has some shit boiling in it? And, like, and, you know, and you just carry that shit out to the woods with scraps of metal in it. And you're like, all right, stick your hand in it. Nope, just go ahead and stick your hand in it. And they're like, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, stick your hand in it. And I, I don't want to stick my hand in it. Like that used to be. Could you imagine me at five years old and just walking by a bush someday and just like stick your hand in it? I don't want to stick my hand in it. Stick your hand in it. It's gonna hurt. Stick your hand in it. And like it's like I'm just gonna keep walking. I don't know. Better times. Yeah. I mean, not in a movie. Probably never. I don't think I've ever seen a real cauldron in real life. Yeah. And my mom's a right? witch. I've still never seen a cauldron. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Better hmm. days, like you said. Well, once they were proven guilty, they were detained. And then after a period of time, they would make up an excuse and they would burn them to death. Hmm. Yeah, it got worse. <laughs> yeah, so they did the yeah. same thing with the witches. So. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They just added an extra step, I guess. They they at least only they brought the yeah they they're they like gave, first we yeah, want to burn you we would like to maim you and then we'll kill you mm-hmm. but first mm-hmm. let's think of how we can kill you while maiming you yeah we're gonna maim you and name you let's go yeah well even sometimes they would make the suspect is why they got the name help perform plays Uh-oh. and have them dance around while dressing them with <laughs> leopard print. <laughs> Pretty much everything. They were like in leopard print loincloths, leopard print like helmets, leopard print backs, and they would like have leopard print like props around them. God damn. Cheetah girls, cheetah sisters. This got got real kinky real fast. It did. And once the headman, the headman was tired of dancing and watching, he would rush up to the criminal and then basically beat them so close to death, rush them away, and burn them to death. Always ending and burn them to death. Jesus Christ! God damn. Yeah. Was this a was this a regular thing? This like as in like once a month, well, once a week, two times. A it week? just depends on it. Like how how if they had time? Did it accelerate? It, it, it did once uh it it did accelerate depending on the month because the um oh. the human leopard society and parts of the areas would only be able to like work parts of the month or parts of the year so i think it was like november to april that they could they could um they basically went out and the leopard society was very similar this they they went out only in those months for some reason i honestly don't know why they did Okay. So, 
er, yeah, okay. it, it's basically everything. It makes as much sense as anything else it, in the world. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to question their uh, their schedule. 100%. So basically everything once okay. proven guilty would have you end up burned to death. It didn't matter. The all the end which is normal, right? Guilty meant that your hand burnt when it was stuck into a boiling cauldron. Like that was guilty. Mm-hmm. So once your hand was burned in a boiling hot cauldron, then you were guilty. And but it was only between November and April. Yeah, yeah, it was very weird. Okay. So okay, yeah, well, that makes sense. Well, once the British came in, they decided to put a stop to Ugh. this as they couldn't investigate yes. any of the murders or prove innocence or guilt in any of the cases because, well, most of the witnesses. Or the suspects were dead before they could get there. Oh my gosh! Nobody wanted to admit to going to that. Play. It was. It's true. Like it was a terrible play too. Yeah. I mean, like they didn't even get real actors. They were just terrible. You know, the reviews there were was really no dress bad. Dress rehearsal. There's no dress rehearsal. We're going to reenact Shakespeare in love, right? They just couldn't get the soliloquies down. And I feel like that really ruined the play. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I think that could have saved their lives. Soliloquies, more like silly liloquies. Because <laughs> they didn't do a good job. Pretty much. Okay, bye. And they didn't. Yeah. No, and then they got burned to death. Well, in 1903, they made a law that the Tongo players were illegal. <laughs> I know, and and anybody who attended <laughs> or presided <laughs> over one would be arrested. 1903? Is that what you just mm-hmm. said? So this is after like 100 years. Yep. Yeah, so after 100 years, like, all right, we give up investigating. You're illegal now. If you boil people's hands... Forced them to act in some very strange play dressed as a leopard with leopard paraphernalia and then kill them on top of a fire. You can stop doing that. I would like to point out that they did not boil their hands. They've deep fried them. Yes. Yes. That's worse, I think. Okay, so now it's 1903. Wright Brothers, Balsawood, paper French fries. up in the air. Shit just happened. Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Shit's popping off. You know what I'm saying? French fries everywhere. What the fuck is popcorn? Give me some of that. And then now it's illegal to deep fry someone's hands and force them into a really terrible play and then kill them. Well, there goes all so my the dinner So the Brits are laying down plans. the law. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. so okay. It, it is crazy that it's 1903, and it takes that long. So they made it illegal for anybody who attended or presided over one. They'd be arrested, blah, blah, blah. And to make it easier to prosecute the Leopard Society, in 1895, the British made another law that said if you had a leopard skin, you could be used to make a human look like a leopard. Any weapon that looked like claws or borophema you could be put in jail and prosecuted to the extent of the law. Now I'll, I will explain Borofema later. Thank you. But oh yes, do. <laughs> actually, you know what? I'll explain it right now because I know you haven't heard the word explain before. It. So I yes, unless you've studied the exact subject. Well, a Borofema is basically a tight bound up leather package that contains the white of an egg and starting out pretty yummy, right? 
the blood of mm-hmm. a chicken, blood of a cock, a chicken, not the human okay. kind, a few mm-hmm. grains of rice. Did you say a chicken, not the human kind? Yes. Okay, keep going. Keep... Okay, so we got an egg, a cock, and some yep. rice. And, okay. well, this is the human kind. Blood, fat, and other human body parts. So there could be an actual cock in there. Who knows? You know, <laughs> I was just making the difference Maybe between I the two. I just don't want the chicken to be lonely. <laughs> yeah. And this was, this, this, this was all inside of a leather sack. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. And that was Borofema. Yep. Okay. Borofema. So, and what was that okay. supposed and to the, do? In the leopard society's eyes, this was used as medicine. It was used as like an all-powerful instrument. And I'm going to bring it back to something that some other some people probably know about and know you've heard about in Anganga, which was Inganga. in Santeria. Yeah. Yep. As the form of voodoo or hoodoo. Yeah. And I believe from this research, I think that Santeria was started by West African slaves that were taken to Cuba. And the Borfima basically gave birth to the Anganga. And I think if you look more into the Adolfo Constanzo, you'd get to see more about it because that was about later the time that it added to it. So I, I made some connections between the two by researching into it in the time periods. Nice. And I think that that was the beginning of Santeria's, basically their beliefs, how they got some of the stuff with the Anganga and one of, one the, of roots. the roots of it. Yeah. And as I said earlier, there's a lot of roots happening in this area that kind of spread out worldwide to some of the other religions. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, Damn. yeah. Well, the Borfima was stated that it would provide good luck, make you rich and powerful. Mm-hmm. It would also help you win mm-hmm. cases in the British court system. It's kind of mm. interesting perspective on it is that they actually thought that this this thing would help them. So eventually, the user would find out that slowly over time, the riches weren't as promised, and they would lose cases. So the primary goal of the Leopard Society would be to continually fill this with new blood and pieces of flesh to continue feeding it, just like the Unganga. It was continually hungry for more blood, and this is going to lead us to our first real four-way. I said four-way. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I, I was a little confused where this is going here, Joe. three of us here. It was... Con- <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also the listener. So there you go. <laughs> you're coming with little, us into our first this is little our four-way. Freudian slip there. <laughs> so this is our first foray into the Leopard Society's murders and subsequent cannibalism. The first qualified case against the Leopard Society was called the Kale Case. So, in... God. Hipster. Hipster. No, just hippies. Hippies. So, in 1912, in... I... This name of this this village is is surpassing me, but it's Babang Bama. B-B-A-N-G-B-A-M-A. So I'm sorry if I got that wrong. I most likely did. So this was in the heart of the Mindy tribe country. So one boy named Kalfala was murdered. He's about 14 years old, and this was in the middle of a village called Kale. 
hipster town. So <laughs> three men were accused of murder. As we've described earlier, young boys were put into the Boro Bush to be put into their classes and then be educated. Four boys were in the bush at this point being trained in farm work. So the father of Kalfala and two other men asked the boys to sleep outside for the night, which was actually against the custom and the law of the tribes. But of course, because they were young and they wanted to please, they did as they were told. The boys went to sleep that night outside, and during the night, they were awakened by a loud noise. They saw one man holding Kalfala by the legs, and another who had leopard skin hanging down his back was bending over the body. And they could tell that their friend was dead. That's fucking horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Out, they're out fucking... in the middle almost of nowhere. That is fucking horrifying. I don't care what. I don't. If you woke up and like anybody is holding another human being up in the air by their legs, mm-hmm. right? And another person is dressed with fucking leopard skin hanging off of them. Like, Hanging shit. over the dead body, like just leaning over the dead body. Yeah. And you Worst wake up and you can't say ever. anything. You can't do anything because if you bring attention to yourself, you're next. Yep. You know, and, and if at that point you wake up, you could still think they're actually leopards, to be fair. And so yeah, you actually like honestly. got awoke, got you know, and you could think of your next. Yeah. So, well, the boys, they raised an alarm. You know, they basically yelled out and they went to get help. And so yeah. obviously the people wearing leopard skin, the men ran away. Well, not too long after this, the father of Kalfala returned and started to show grief. And soon after, a few of his friends showed up with a number of other men. And they assisted in carrying the boy's body to the Poro Bush and then consulted together on what to do with the body. So they're basically just going back and forth. What should we do to the body? Should we tell the parents? Should we... Or should we tell the mother? Should we tell, you know, like the town? Well, they then buried the body very, very quickly after the consultation and then threatened the other boys if they would speak of it, then something bad would happen to them. Mm -hmm. This seems totally normal and totally okay. It is. (laughs) And if they were asked, you know, somebody asked basically... Have you seen little Kafala? And they would be bitten. They would say, You're bitten by a snake. And he died. So they said the kid basically got bit by a snake and died. Okay. Oh, wow. At this point during the trial, some of the information of the Leopard Society's practices got out because a few of the Leopard Society's people kind of flipped because they kind of had like kind of an attack of conscious. So two of the former Leopard Society people basically came out and said what they had done. So the Leopard Society would join together and discuss how they could best feed their Borfima, which we mentioned earlier. And to properly feed the Borfima, it would need to be by murder. The person... Murder. Murder. The person or people who were selected to provide 
pretty much the sacrifice would be given four days to bring in the body. The meeting to sacrifice usually was with a quick walking distance of the Leopard Society, you know, and the Poro Bush, which at that night, Kalfalo was right near. <laughs> Damn. Mm-hmm. And once the ceremony was started, the members of the Leopard Society would bleed the person and fill up their barfema, and then they would cut up the pieces of the body and flesh and would eat it however they liked. Medium rare. So you're saying that the guy's father was part of the group of people that killed him? God damn. Damn. Mm-hmm. Well, hot take from from Joey. All right, it's true. Well, well, at least from the story's point of view, I I do personally think some of these are true. Um, I don't think everything that they wrote down or everyone that was accused was part of it, but I do think that some of these people did practice this. So, the three men who were accused were eventually found guilty of the murder. The main oh, pieces of evidence didn't work. <laughs> yeah. The main pieces of evidence were that the boy had puncture marks in his neck consistent of that with a sharp weapon, or as I read into it, is that there were three puncture wounds that looked like a fake leopard claw, a metal claw that mm. they used, which is exactly what the Leopard Society used. So that's crazy. The boys had also heard a number of pattering feet running away after they had like yelled and tried to get help. So to me, that says there was a lot more than three there, but mm-hmm. they could only physically prove there was three people there. Okay. So what I surmise from this is that the ritual murder had taken place, but they didn't have enough time to get the body away from the other boys to prepare the feast. So... The three men, including the father of boy of the boy, were found guilty of the murder and being part of the Human Leopard Society. Did God they, damn it, like, Darrow! I told you we shouldn't use a crock pot. <laughs> Did they? I um, gotta use a leopard pot. Like, dig up the body like really quickly right after. They don't know what happened to the body. or whatever. I, I don't know what actually happened to the body. It didn't mention it. I imagine mm. that they probably might have moved the body just so that the British colonial government didn't come in and try to find it out or the the mother, honestly, because she didn't even know until I think weeks. Once they actually went to start to go to trial, she didn't even know for weeks that he was murdered. She kept thinking it was because he was bitten by a snake. Damn. So she just didn't know. And the whole town was intimidated by these people, obviously. <laughs> So mm-hmm. they could they didn't really want to say much, but the former Leopard Society people gave them the information and the other boys gave them their take on what happened that night and they decided that they were guilty. All three were. Well, two of the accused were found that they actually killed the boy and they were sentenced to death. The boy's father, however, was found out that he didn't have he didn't actually murder the boy, but he was in conspiracy to murder the boy. So he was just sentenced to life in prison. But life in prison there was probably pretty much just amounting to death, honestly. Mm-hmm. They found Damn. out later that the father 
was one of the leaders of the Leopard Society. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Damn. Papa Leopard. Yep. And what what's really what's really crazy is that almost all the victims of the Leopard Societies are family of people in the Leopard Society. Again, it goes back to it's who you know, not what you know. I was just going to say, like, what if that's the reason they have families? Because they're like, well, I have so, like such and such amount of children. You know, like kids go missing, kids die. But like our little leather sacks are forever. Yeah. I mean, they wanted the power, honestly. They liked the idea of the power that it gave them because they thought it was the spirits were asking for this. Just another part of what they like, they pretty much wanted again, like their they wanted to fill it up their their body, their spirits, and they kept saying that the spirits were bringing them to this to these murders, and that the spirits were telling them who to murder, um, which is even so what they're just crazier. like carrying around a haunted omelet around their necks, yes, pretty much, yeah, yeah, with a bunch of blood. That's ketchup. <laughs> no, just ketchup. Yeah. Oh, what's that red thing <laughs> on your on your chest? Oh, it's just a little ketchup. It's just my little haunted sack of a. Uh, you don't need to know. <laughs> yeah. Need to know. You don't need to know. So the next trial was one of the most harrowing, and really showed how the Leopard Society worked as a collective. So, in this case, a young woman named Minnie M I N I was murdered in the town of Kabati in 1911. Mm -hmm. The Leopard Society held a meeting with many, many members. also want to state that this is not just like four or five people meeting in the poor bush. This is like 60 to 150 people meeting. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like small amounts of people. And I think that that's something like this whole thing is like kind of, it really impresses upon is like, it's not just, three four people and it's not just people that are you know like the farmer there there are some farmers in this mm-hmm. most of them are chieftains most of them are the leaders of the towns that are in the leopard society this is like yeah. upwards of like 100 150 of like leaders of entire villages and towns mm-hmm. yep this is like if freemasons were getting together dressed as leopards exactly like it mm-hmm so gotcha. it, it just it just makes it crazier to think because like this would honestly be like our Congress if they just dressed up, dressed up in leopard prints and went into their. Some people literally believe this, Joey. Be careful. <laughs> sorry, we sorry. don't. Have you heard of the lottery? <laughs> and they all went I out for pizza the short at story, one particular the short story. restaurant in DC. <laughs> yeah. That is a great short story. I love that story. Well, there are three people who were tried for this murder as that's the only evidence the Crown could put forward. And honestly, if they were pretty much like nowadays, is the prosecutor will only try to get the people that are they can believe they can get guilty, a guilty charge for. So the Crown was very much like that in the same way. Just like we saw in the uh, Steed Bonnet stories when they would just be like, we're only going to get you for the charges we can get you. <laughs> Everything yeah. else, it doesn't matter. I would just like to so. point out that Gil looks like little Nikki right now. 
He does. The hair is perfect. Or the guy from, um, or Gary Oldman from uh, The Fifth Element. Paramount. Oh, true. Yeah, with the hair over. Well, the Human Leopard Society meeting started with Manny's uncle being elected the Mahin, which is the presiding officer of the meeting, basically the leader of the meeting. So they took the role of everyone there and then proceeded to get into the business of why they met. Minnie's uncle told everyone that the spirits had spoken to him, and unless they wanted bad things to happen to them all, they had to give a sacrifice and put blood in their borfima. Okay. Yeah. He oh, told them goodness. that they had four nights to set this up. Yeah, you can't argue with it. They had can't four nights to that? set this up. Yeah. He's like, we're going to die if we don't, so... Let's do it. Turn us. Mm-hmm. The Mahin then stated that he had already set it up. He had the perfect sacrifice for the spirits. His niece, Minnie, would be the target. <clears throat> That's just rude. Very rude. Like That's I said earlier, they kid. Yeah, they go after their families and and I don't understand why? And I also don't know what Minnie did to them to get to get them so pissed off at her that it was basically time for them just to murder her. But honestly, worst he, worst he like flashes ever. back. Yeah, he flashes back to like his first time holding her and she just like shits her pants. And he's like, oh, <laughs> like, you little. But she had like a smile on her face, you, too, I imagine. Yeah, it was like, a mini shit. You, fucker. Oh. But. <laughs> I do, I do real quick. All right, so we're getting into the weeds on like some shit where it's like, oh, well, this is calling for this and this is calling for this. Um, outside of cultural context, um, you know, uh, the county laws and the state's laws call for da 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 da, which meet with the national laws, which means we need to execute this person in this way and da 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 da. Like we have continued these things in a more dry, less spiritual sense, but with just the same sounding kind of justifications, like the people who have blah, blah, blah. And like, also I I do want to point out, you know, technically with like the way common law works, all of this shit, all of these laws, especially around executions and stuff have been voted on and approved quote unquote by our ancestors. Right. Because that's how our legal system works, at least like the the common law legal system works, is that we are enacting the rules and policies of our ancestors. So if you're coming in from another culture and you're looking at the way we're doing it, we're saying and doing the same shit. It's 100 percent the same shit. (laughs) So just want to point that out. It's the same. It's funny and it's weird. Yeah, it's it's, it's the the exact same end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the jury's rigged, and like the judges rigged, just like it is here. They're yeah. they're just Our- as rigged. Uh, they're just as rigged. the The crown is doing the same thing the Tongo players did. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> the, like they're yeah. not that much different in being like, "Oh, you're innocent. You maybe we found this one piece of evidence that might have to deal with it or not, but you're still guilty." And yeah. them putting the- their hand in oil. <laughs> the queen selected by God. Who selected the people that are acting on this process? <laughs> like, are deciding 
this is just as ridiculous. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we should make fun of that too. That's all I'm saying. But Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. For the purpose of the story, we'll settle into the narrative that we have. Sadly, it's yeah. the only narrative we had. I wish we had the other side, you know. But I do think that what what really gives this something is that they didn't murder and eat white people, basically. Like, they didn't kill yeah. the colonizers, and which is... that There is something that I'll get to later that I will say is... It's it's a it's a fun thing to talk about later, but well, we'll they tasted a little bland, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, they're just very bland. <laughs> well, four days later, they met at the appointed place near Minnie's uncle's house. The lepers decided he did. He had sequestered her in a small room away from everyone else in the house before he decided and went to the meeting to tell them. So he already. He already premeditated this before they even had the first meeting. Okay. Oh, my God. They then had the house servant, who was also forced into the society to perform, in quotation, menial acts. So they're basically their house slave that they had. They just were like, hey, you're forced into doing this now because we need you to do the, the dirty work, the hard work, you know, while we're out here taking in what we want to. So boil in hands. Yeah. Boil in hands. So the house servant, house slave, brought her outside and into the bushes that was surrounding the house. There, she met the men wearing what else? Leopard skin garb. And her uncle. Because she saw her uncle, she didn't scream. She didn't think there was anything wrong. You know, perhaps she might have thought that they were going to initiate her into the society. Mm-hmm. Does it say how old she was? It doesn't. It says uh, what I can gather. I think she was like 14, 15. She wasn't like she was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So the the book also did say, I don't even know why I mentioned this or how they knew it. But I think the uncle might have said it, too, is that they said she was like a little slow. It, that's uh. just how they said it. And I felt that also, it, it kind of leads me to believe that she's just like, she wasn't catching on quickly enough. And, you know, she saw the mm-hmm. leopard men, didn't think it was, yeah, didn't think it was going to happen. And that's it's also, really I think, why they chose her. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, like, they th- thought she was like, uh, as we can, we do find out that they, they said she was like diseased. They said she wasn't like, mm. you know, their their style of people, basically. It was really sad. So, mm-hmm. well, as she walked, one of the members walked up behind her. And just like I mentioned in the beginning of, a, of the episode, stabbed her right in the back. Mm. Damn. So four other members quickly rushed to her and carried her into the next clearing. They then placed their Borfima underneath her and slit her throat, spilling blood all over their Borfima and them, and thus in their eyes, satisfying the spirits. If only she had scoliosis. She would have been saved. And this is where it gets honestly really really disgusting and not that anything before wait and not that anything before i said here isn't terrible in its own right 
So after this, after they killed, basically killed her, slit her throat, and they satisfied the spirits of the Morphema, two men were nominated to cut up her body. They first cut open her stomach and removed her organs. They then cut off her breasts and then gave them to the chiefs to eat. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I know this is horrifying. Right, please, leather face. <laughs> please, please stay with me till the end, and we won't go into any more crazy things after this. This will be the last. I one. have shag rug in the studio. You can't make me throw up here. This is never coming out. No. They then cut off her finger and toenails. What? And Just the, a finger? The the fingernails toenails. and toenails. Oh, okay, they, okay. I yeah. thought it was like finger and all toenails. So I was like, this is getting incredibly specific. Nope. Yeah. Okay, and, so, gotcha. Yeah, and then the scalp containing the hair was given okay. to the uncle. Nice hat. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it, Selena. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah. at this point, all that's left on, I really hope at this point, is just their corpse. I hope they're not alive still. No, they were um, dead. They were dead. They slid her Okay, throat, cool. So she's dead. Yeah, she's, she's, long, okay, she's okay, been good, gone for good. a little bit. Yeah, she's not still alive. Okay. Um, but the uncle actually okay. wanted a hair transplant, and this was the earliest form of hair transplant, so... Yeah, no, I mean, this is way cheaper than plugs. But He like, literally I'm just saw just so, her hair like, and was like, hey, guys, I think it's time we kill someone. I feel like the spirits are talking. Do you guys get that vibe? <laughs> uh, yeah, I I'm know getting just it. the I'm person. Get, feeling it. Yeah, she has the most beautiful hair. I mean, she really, she'd really. The spirits like, just the really spirits want her. Loved her. They really want her. So the rest of the members cut the remaining pieces of the skin and organs and they all feasted upon the flesh. Mm. Some of them, like we described, ate them raw Mm. and some of them cooked the flesh and ate it over rice. Hmm. And some of them used an air fryer. Yes. At number Uh. five setting for 15 (laughs) minutes. For all you cannibals out there, we, you know, recipes yeah. for cannibals, our new book coming out. Yeah, I believe I believe we're looking at mid-October um, for the release of recipes for cannibals. Um, yes. Yeah, we have, let's talk to management about that first. Though. This this episode is brought to you by Salt and Pepper Press. <laughs> this whole scene in the book was just so awful. And because after all that happened, they did searches and all that was found after this was the skull, which was thrown down an incline about 30 yards away. And the bones were picked clean and lying near the feast. I also want to add to this before you say something. Yeah. The skull was empty. They Woo. ate her brains. brains. Yep. That's the thing, though, is like this is like the jungle of the jungle of the jungle in motherfucking Africa. 
All right, you could throw. I I'm not a that you know I'm not an expert in this, um. But I feel like you could just throw a body out there anywhere, and within like a week and a half, it's picked clean. You know, like there is so much life that is just taken on every single aspect of the, let's just say, um, dealing with dead body process, right? That like shit's gonna be picked clean so damn fast, like. I mean, in America, you gotta work for that shit. You gotta get barrels of lime and lye and other things that start with L. And you gotta put them in it and turn it into a jelly. And then you gotta turn on your garbage disposal for like three or four days over the Christmas or Thanksgiving holidays and hope that your neighbors don't. Oh, that wait, that's that's uh, never mind. That was the other person we covered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those people are very <laughs> similar. <laughs> yes. Go so. All right. Yeah, go figure. So skull, I, I, skull is empty. Skull is empty. Bones are still there. And after a few days, an exhaustive search, the bones of many were eventually found, as well as their skull. Mm. The court could only find three men worthy of prosecution for the basically what they assumed were 69 other men that had a part in this. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. So, out of the three men that they had uh, found worthy of prosecution, they only found one of them guilty. And if you can guess who it was, I'll give you a dollar. The uncle? Minnie? It was the uncle. The uncle was the dollar. only one that was found guilty. And for everyone out there, I'm sorry, you won't get a dollar. The first one that got it was Selena. She gets a dollar. So I'm sorry, <laughs> everyone out there. I just probably ruined your day, and I'm sorry. No, I ruined your day because that's not your dollar. Our, that's my fucking dollar. That's true. That's Selena's dollar. Our, our lawyer is it. saying that he needs to add in this disclaimer immediately. <laughs> yes, I'm so sorry to everyone out there. We love you. We believe in you. Please keep and- participating. No purchase yes. necessary to participate. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys can send us a dollar too. So, you know, that would be great. Or send Selena a bunch of dollars because she did it. So, that's true. I did do it. Mm hmm. That means well, I deserve your money. She does. He was tried, found guilty, and publicly executed in 1913. Damn. So the uncle was the only one found guilty, and he was killed. So this is like a interesting process of like literally somebody nominating their own family member, but them then like they're also sacrificed in the process over and over and over again. Yeah, it does seem like there's always that one person. And I, I'm gonna get into this later and I, I we can kind of skip it for now, but you're you're all you're on the right line there. That if yeah, you're on the right line there. Well, so the British government presided over a lot of trials between 1907 and 1913. So they investigated about 30 different murders. And though I would say this is probably nowhere near the amount of how many people the Human Leopard Society actually killed and ate. Um, just That's just how many the trials kind of led us into the transcripts. You know, you can never be too sure. You always want to just make sure there's at least something to back them up. Mm-hmm. So... Some 300 to 400 people were actually sought to be on trial for these murders, but only 108 of them were actually put to trial because that's how many people were actually able to be proved that they could have 
done something or been part of the murders. Many of them were high chieftains or people who were in high positions of their tribes. So it seems to me that the human leopard society basically became somewhat of organized crime, like something of the mob bosses of the late 1800s and early 1900s in New York. You know, I feel like they had a very similar thing going on. They comprised so much of the leadership of the local tribes as well as they intimidated the locals into basically not snitching on them for taking sacrifices for their Brofima. The Leopard Society used a few methods to scare the people into not cooperating with the British, besides the British being the colonizers. You know, a lot of them were ex-slaves and people have been put into slavery by the British. So I can honestly say, why would you trust the police? Yeah, this is yeah. like bad if you're in this situation where you're a local, but you're still having to convince people not to snitch on you to the goddamn British. Like, you're fucking up real bad if you need to convince other people not to snitch on you to the goddamn Brits. Yeah, it, it seems to me like they're looking at it. The, the, the locals of the town are like, what's the lesser of two evils right now? Is it someone that's stealing our children and murdering them? Or is it someone that literally... Or is it the society? <laughs> <laughs> both of them did it. <laughs> Which is funny. They both did the same thing. And that's the horribleness about it. Yeah. Is that like literally they're in a rock in a hard place. And there's nothing they can do about this. So the Leopard Society would come in kind of like the English, but they made the members of the town swear oaths over a medicine called Tila. It's T-I-L-L-A-H. And okay. if a person breaks this oath, the medicine would catch them and infect them with disease. So this is what they believe would happen to them if they told, basically, this little side, like, don't talk to the British. If you do, you made an oath. And if you break this oath, you're going to be infected with the disease. Kind of like when you like pledge in court, like, and like part of your pledge is to God. Like, yes. literally, it's to God. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. And I love the semblances of uh, parody on each side of this happening, which just, yeah. It, it's it's horrible, but it's great because like you could you just see it with like how the British are like, no, we're just fine, upstanding people that came in here and civilized all of you. And They're then the Leopard Society was like, look at their strange yeah. customs. <laughs> now pledge allegiance to the Queen and God. <laughs> and God, like, and if you don't, we'll murder you and put you into slavery. Also, you can totally cut this, but like you said, Tila, and it gave me like a really hardcore flashback to like the early 2000s tequila, and Tila tequila. tequila. And then you were mm -hmm. like, you make a pact. And if you do not follow that pact, you end up with a disease. And I was like, hey, <laughs> Tila tequila. <laughs> uh, very similar to the Tila uh, medicine that they were taking. <laughs> well, yep. an example they made of the disease catching people was basically the Leopard Society pointed to a f very few lepers that they had in each town. Mm -hmm. And they would say, if you break your oath, lepers. yeah, you will become like them. Become Ooh. a so leopard leper. You will become a leper. Leper leopard. Pretty leper, much. Lepers. Oh. Yeah. And so they also, <laughs> they also used a deity called Tinayahum. And again, sorry, everyone, for the pronunciations. I'm doing the best I can. 
Yeah. Hey, man, we're it's, doing the best we can with our American school system. Exactly. And that literally meant to turn back to truth, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Hmm. So basically their deity that they're telling them not to tell the truth to the local authorities is tell is, is named to turn your back to truth, which such a great parody here. Yeah. (laughs) So they feared the poisons and the deity so much that most of the time parents of the children taken and killed wouldn't even tell on him. They just Damn. were like, well, you killed my son, but I don't want to go to the British because they're I'm going to die. They're British. Breath First stinks. off, they're British. They're terrible mm-hmm. because they put yeah. us into slavery, even though at this point, I want to put in quotations, they had stopped the transatlantic slave trade. Yeah, well, so. colonization wasn't exactly great. Um, no. <laughs> like... no, it was not. Um, and to be fair, who could blame them? Most of the times, also, the chieftains were the ones that were doing it. So the chieftains of the tribes were also the ones. So basically, they're looking at leadership on both sides of the aisle. And they're going, well, these people took all my relatives and took them to America, put them in a slave trade. And these people that were also our leaders that were us were taking kids out into the woods and basically eating them and killing them. And so they're like, they're just in this horrible place. And it seems like almost every time the people in the middle get get the shaft. The leopard societies yeah. would kill their own kids and family, and those are the people who would bear the brunt of the ritualistic sacrifice and cannibalism. And this Damn. it's so sad. Yeah, it's so sad. Well, one of the witnesses in the trial was in the leopard society. And he wasn't the leader at the time for the night, the Mahin. He was um he was like second in charge at that time. So basically, the leader at the time said, All right, we're gonna go out and we're gonna choose somebody to sacrifice. And he pointed at the second guy in charge and said, We're going to kill your son. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. I thought for a second he was just like, uh, uh, any, mini, miny, mo, catch a leopard by the time you. <laughs> I mean, it was literally that's what happened, and and part of this is I, there's another there's another layer to this actually, because the father, the people that they would choose to kill, were usually people who had just had good fortune come upon them. Damn, so this is like a professional a hater society too. Mm-hmm. They believe that <laughs> that, that good fortune me. would transfer to them. Hate, 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 hate. I mean, because they would literally take their shit. Yeah. <laughs> I have, the, well, I have a I feeling. This guy, this I think process. I would be looked upon by God um, favorably. Maybe mm-hmm. I could get a flat screen TV when I take it from them. Yeah. Maybe, okay. maybe when they die, they leave everything to me. Maybe they didn't, and I take it anyway. Whatever. Good fortune. Me. Yeah, pretty much. So okay. Okay. the father the father, to his credit, was like, mm-hmm. no, no, I'm not gonna kill my son. <laughs> Unlike the <laughs> uncle over there who was like, Oh, I'm throwing them in the ring. This guy was like, No, I, I don't want you to kill my son. Like he just had something good happen to him. We we're not gonna sacrifice him. Well, of course, the leader of the society for that meeting said, Well, if you won't sacrifice him. We're going to sacrifice you. 
And if it is found out your son is gone or is hard to find, we're going to sacrifice both you and your son. Wait, what? Yeah. So basically, basically, they were like, you need to make sure you don't hide your son from us to like base to stop him from being sacrificed. You're going if you do that, we're going to kill you and your son and we're going to sacrifice you. So the ritualistic sacrifice was pretty prevalent and had such a profound effect on the written laws of the country. First, to stave off the murders, they passed a law that you cannot sleep outside. And I think this is a very interesting law for this area. It was basically set in place because of how easy it was for people sleeping outside to be picked up and murdered. Damn. Oh That's gosh. how prevalent this was. Um, they, they, like I said earlier, like the boys weren't supposed to be sleeping outside in the first story, the first trial. Yeah. They weren't supposed to be sleeping outside because it was against the law. And that was the law because there were so many people getting picked up and murdered. And it was so much easier for these leopard men to come into this, the town, take the boys, take the girls, whoever they were going to sacrifice at that time, and just run away real quickly after they stabbed him. Yeah. Where it's like in that case, like you were saying earlier, when like this is all like dark and it was nighttime and shit like that. Literally, a leopard might have done that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like yep. quite literally, a leopard might just grab your ass and pull you into the jungle. Like you're like you're done for, you know. But like this is, man, this is fascinating as hell to me because like we try to look at the the increased rate of like stories and news, especially after like the internet became more common and widespread and easy to contribute to, and like the the fear that people like built up over time. Like I've, I really do feel like um, Art Bell was like kind of on the front line of trying to like give a name to this. He called that the quickening, right? Like he said that like everything is speeding up, you know, things are getting worse. Things are getting blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, there's more death, more murders, more terrible stories. I really do think that more people had access to, um, to be able to publish stories to a larger audience and at the birth of the internet, right? Mm-hmm. It was so easy to get small town stories out and it was just yep. happening so much, right? Um, and I, I feel like that gave us the impression at the time that things were getting worse. But then you go back to, in this case, Sierra Leone, where like for hundreds of years, it's been illegal to sleep outside because motherfuckers dressed as leopards will come and kill your ass after sticking your hand in boiling water, or you know, any number of different scenarios, Um, you know, and it's like, have things gotten worse or have things gotten better? Leopard Society 2024. That's what I was trying to say. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) Well... The second thing that changed in laws because of the Leopard Society, the Human Leopard Society, was called the Human Leopard Society Ordinance. A little on the nose, but that's the British. They were very <laughs> dry. <laughs> it was literally the what they said. Yep. I also wanted this to basic... let you guys know um, on the Black Cat Report Etsy, we are making haunted omelets to hang around your neck. Um, they're just fifty four ninety nine each. Yeah, don't buy them from Redbubble. Redbubble already tried to steal that before we even edited the show. All right? And we use uh, vegan human meat. Yeah, so, we only uh, use meat from human vegans. Yes, only. We are yeah. running... We're actually... Our, our numbers are growing, I think, so... Ethically harvested when we duct tape their mouths. They didn't say no. They did 
Well, we didn't know if they were vegans because they couldn't tell us. But anyways, um, we they were eating vegetables. They wanted to be part them. of something bigger than themselves. <laughs> and, you know, we're in Asheville, so everyone's on a spiritual journey. So easy. Anyway. We don't know. We don't know if they're vegans, as Joey was saying, but we did make sure to um, bring them to their final rest at the moment they were eating a vegetable, which is a very strong indication that they were vegans. We just waited until they were taking a bite of broccoli and just... Mm, yes. Yeah. Raw broccoli, yeah. too. Raw broccoli, yeah. for so sure. So make sure to check out our Etsy. Yes. So the Human Leopard Society ordinance was basically if anyone had any paraphernalia of the leopard society. So if they had a large leopard print thing, you know, basically like anyone from the eighties, um, giant metal claws. Literally, that were literally me in high school in my punk phase had leopard yes. print somewhere at all times. Yeah. At this time you would have been put in jail. So yeah. Um, yeah. Most eighties <laughs> metal bands were illegal at this Look, point. In Ma, time. I made it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They would be arrested and de- and detained. You know, if they yeah. had, like you said, they had the knuckles with the uh, the little puncture wounds, the leopard uh, claws. So I equate this to the charges of owning a fixed blade knife longer than four inches or owning a switchblade knife that's over two inches right now. It's the same idea. Or having a bowl that and not having the weed, just having the bowl can get you arrested. And put in paraphernalia. 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 Yep, the same thing. So it was basically put in place to curtail the growing power of the Human Leopard Society. But it also can't be overlooked. As I said earlier, the Human Leopard Society provided blueprints for intimidation for the mob, as well as the growing ritual magic that made its way over to the New World, Santeria, Mm. and anything else. So basically, a lot of this was coming from Africa, coming from the Leopard Society, coming from the other societies in the area, which I'll mention in a minute. The Leopard Society was the only true proof society that lived instead of the other ones, but there were court records showing that there was a human baboon society who would bite the necks of people to murder them while wearing baboon skin. Red butts. (laughs) <laughs> that was, they just that painted was their asses the red, red and like ran around ah! <laughs> yeah. oh my so there wasn't a lot of like actual want to say evidence there was one court transcript but they never they weren't proved proven guilty of anything so mm-hmm. i feel like this is kind of those other societies in the, and there was an alligator society and they would hide out near the rivers and then snare victims I do think that, you know, it, you can go a lot of ways with this, you, you know, and, and I think that people just kind of try to take it overboard. I don't think that some of these other societies actually existed. Maybe there was one or posers. two people posers, but there was they weren't to the to the uh, amount of the Leopard Society. Leopard Society had a lot of members and a lot of sway in the areas. Yeah. I don't doubt the existence of these other animals. I only know that the evidence for the most <laughs> part are animals. Yeah, I don't doubt that this is the other sure animals. Pretty sure they might exist. Not sure. I'll get back to you on that. Exactly. But I've never seen them, so <laughs> make up your mind. Exactly. So and we know I only Caesar know the evidence. Full of holograms. It's true nowadays. 
just like the synthetic sun, which we will be doing an episode on, but that's later. Just later like on, the virtual aquarium month. I was, virtual reality aquarium I was trapped in for an hour. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. During ADHD screening, which is a perfect example of going off the rails. So what happened, Joey? <laughs> well, I only know the evidence for the most part is on the side that there was an actual human leopard society. They existed and they had mm -hmm. eaten people, a lot of people. Hell yeah. Ew. So the Leopard Awkward. Society of Sierra Leone would go on to influence future Leopard Societies in the Congo. They were Ooh. known as the Enyoto. I say it in that voice because that's what it looks like. Yep. In more recent history, the Enyoto were advised to actually have been more of freedom fighters trying to fight off the rule of the Dutch. Than, than savages who ate the flesh of their victims. So I think this is one thing we, we can kind of look at is the Anyoto were in the 1940s, I want to say, is like the, the time period that they had. But the, the Anyoto in the beginning by the Dutch were said to be cannibals. They were said to be fierce mm -hmm. people. They didn't care about people. But, they were, but that more recently was revised saying that they instead weren't those type of people. They were just freedom fighters trying to get rid of the Dutch. Yeah. And I yeah. think that so that's are, cool. Mm -hmm. Are you trying to say that um, at any point in time, people call upon like cultural history and cultural icons when they're trying to lead a large movement? No. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I, I'm trying to say. <laughs> I would delete our Spotify and the publishing of our show right now if you were saying that. Well, I do want to say that the Leopard Society was in pop culture nowadays. And I can say that with 100% certainty that the Leopard Society represented more and more with the first being in Tarzan. <clears throat> they conveyed the Leopard Society of the Congo. This was the Leopard Brendan Society Frazier? of the Congo. <laughs> the early ones, the, I think the 1951 or whatever it was. They, they, uh, they conveyed the Leopard Society of the Congo as evil. But again, we knew, we know now by more information coming out, looking at it more accurately, that they were not. They were freedom fighters. And they were actually Which... more represented in the Marvel movie, Black <gasps> Panther. Cheetah Girls. Oh. <laughs> Which actually is based off a lot of the stories from the, the uh, Leopard Society in the Congo. Goddamn. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty Cheetah cool. Girls, I didn't right? think we'd bring it back, but here we are bringing it back. <laughs> Bringing it back by bringing it up. While the Anyoto was seemingly good, I do think that the Leopard Society of Sierra Leone were mm -hmm. cannibals. They didn't okay. prey on the invaders of the or the slavers like we had talked about. They preyed on their own families to appease a god that, well, most likely didn't exist. <gasps> I feel like they started out on a good path as people, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to escape their slavers, going out as educated. people. And then from there, it went downhill. <laughs> it as literally did, yeah. As one does. Yeah. Trying to escape their slavers and then just turned down a dark road and almost became what they feared and what they hated the most the slavers themselves. Damn. They became the terrorizers of their own towns. And for what reason, I honestly don't know. And it seems like it'll just be lost to history. 
Pretty sure it's because colonization is absolutely terrible and it fucks with societies. Sometimes you die a hero. Sometimes you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm, and I'm, that could I'm, be what I'm, it was. I'm, I'm pretty sure, y'all, there, there's actually a track record for this, which is like anti-colonial struggles actually completely cause massive conflicts in societies because the process of colonization pushed people to the complete like brink. And when societies or cultures grow up in a perpetual state of violence, well, then guess what? Communication through extreme measures of violence actually seem more acceptable because the baseline of terrible violence is just normal everyday life so when we look back at it in a state of not being at that extreme level of violence we see it as super extreme where to them it was just kind of one step up which is the only way you can conduct guerrilla warfare but that's just me and that's just every case of anti-colonial struggle sorry go ahead yeah i guess we'll never know Thank you for listening to the Black Cat Report and episode 54 on the Human Leopard Society. Man, my stomach is grumbling. That was our second installment in our July Cannibal Month series, and boy, is it only going to get worse from here. Next week, we'll be peering into a really awful cannibal you won't want to miss. Remember to like, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, take a moment to follow us on Instagram for the most up-to-date information. We'll see you next week.